It's Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who commentary podcast in which I, Toby Haydoke, watch a Doctor Who story with a friend of mine and have to see if I can guess what their favourite things about it are. Hello, I'm Ian McFacklin and uh, I have been a fan of Doctor Who since the 30th of November 1963 when I saw the repeat of Unearthly Child. Now, the story I have chosen is the Dalek Master Plan. Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm recording this on New Year's Day 2022. Um, patrons will be hearing it about a week after that. Non-patrons, oh my God, the sun is probably shining when you are. Uh, but that's the deal. Uh, this isn't a current affairs show, and I like uh, the patrons to be... Uh, far ahead of uh, everybody else because it justifies their kind uh, patronage. Um, but also it means my turnover <laughs> for them has to sort of race along and be almost live. Anyway, it's, so it's been a while uh, since I uh, watched the Daleks master plan because Christmas came and went. I had a vague, naive notion that maybe I'd be watching <laughs> uh, the Daleks master plan at the same time as it went out. So, you know, episode seven on Christmas Day, episode eight on, you know, around New Year's, yeah, around New Year's. And I've got to episode three and both of those events have gone. The best laid plans of mice. We'll see what happens to the mice in episode five um, uh, and Toby's. So uh, listen, so I just watched a New Year's Day Dalek story that I very much enjoyed. Um, Eve of the Daleks. Um, so now we're going to go to, uh, The Devil's Planet, episode three of the Daleks' Master Plan. Um, and my, my, my guest is Ian K. McLachlan, uh, who, uh, will be giving his verdict on his favourite thing of this episode, which is not an episode I know terribly well. Uh, I am watching the Loose Cannon Reconstruction, and I am going to press play or select because i'm on the menu in three two one uh, and oh it takes a while to kick in i wonder if anybody ever uh <laughs> syncs up with me so um i've been quite daunted doing the daleks master plan because it's 12 episodes but uh, that's nuts because i don't ever do them all in one go um but uh it is an interesting story. That interesting alert. I need to give a pound to charity every time I say the I word because we've we've discussed that. I'm going to get even less I if I uh, keep repeating myself. There's a lovely picture of Katarina uh, that we've got. So so she starts the action. Um, Peter Purvis is very good at this high uh, sort of dramatic. Uh, stuff um so we've got a i've got a i've got a reconstruction of that uh the, these these uh, opening moments uh, even though i sort of know what they look like based on last week's but uh, clearly when this recon was done whether the uh whether the uh, episode was restaged or not they'd have probably they'd have probably had a go at using at least some of the pictures from it um I don't know off offhand whether because obviously sometimes the 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 episodes were restaged and sometimes they were played in from a film recording done last week as they're on the set here anyway uh and it was a sort of actiony bit I suspect they probably redid it uh to go to go straight into the action 
Um, I've been I've recently been having trouble trying to reconcile the episode ending of episode three of the Daleks and the beginning with episode four because episode four has more material in it than the end of episode three and we're trying to work out whether episode three originally had some of that material and was cut because of damage to the tape or, or for timing or whatever um uh, but that's all in my other one of my other podcasts uh too much information uh these these i love this dalek design and these scenes are very nicely done in the uh in the uh recon and and they've got uh, some of the the blobby signal howl around on their scanners i like it the idea that d- the daleks are sort of watching um rejected doctor who title sequences i i would have used that bit that looks more like time and space to me um uh and i don't know i like i like these scenes between i like black and white scenes with daleks chatting to each other and i like that uh, that's quite chilling that musical sting that's used quite a lot in this story now all i sort of seem to really remember about this episode is that they go to a prison planet don't they um and uh, uh and there are some hairy convicts and they're hiding from things called screamers screamers they're called screamers which i think i suspect is basically a a, a, a couple of feet you know swooping into shot an actor's looking scared i is it, did they do it a bit like that um uh hey uh i've uh i've, I've encountered a few screamers myself hey eh, boys um and other jokes like that uh, remember i'm from the 1970s uh when you could uh where are these stills from um when you could do uh jokes like that and now of course you're able to do them slightly ironically as if to take the mickey out of them whilst doing them at the same time it's called having your cake and eating it uh i I might turn the sound up because uh i'm she's where's the girl from she's from the past which is why we decided she wasn't going to work as a character and wrote her out very quickly Oh yes, so they're they're running away with the Terranium Core. I like that. I mean, I think the fact that they have Brett with them makes it a bit more exciting than the chase where they're being chased through time and space by the Daleks. Um, Because this ties it back to the Earth plot. And, uh, uh, you know, ties it in with stuff going on elsewhere. So it's a slightly broader canvas than the the sort of slightly more parochial idea if you like that they're just t- chasing the time travellers I like the fact that Earth has a stake in it oh Zephon yes did I actually I, I seem to recall I got diverted to, um, trying not to trip myself up um, uh, when talking about Julian Cherrier uh, being uh, of Indian heritage so is therefore uh, the first credited speaking actor non-Caucasian uh, speaking actor in Doctor Who uh, and he gets a bucket of seaweed on his head for the privilege uh, I read a, I read something about Sherry it was a court case uh, involving the ownership of some uh, some uh, some trinkets so, some some quite um, some antiques that were quite uh, worth quite a lot well, I, I can't remember the I can't can't remember the outcome now but it was it was a contentious case between him and i think an ex uh, that's all on record somewhere so if you want to find out 
what Zephon got up to in his personal life. Sherio was actually still alive when uh, episode two came back. It's a shame they didn't get him on the... Uh, I seem to recall in the commentary there's a bit where Kevin Stoney goes, Oh, is that Julian? <laughs> but it's a close-up of seaweedy feet. Um, I'm, I'm sure Peter Purvis said that that Kevin Stoney didn't recognise him when they did the commentary because Kevin was so old. I never had the pleasure with Kevin Stoney. What a wonderful, wonderful actor. And we can see in this reconstruction, it's got the aliens from Mission to the Unknown in the background as opposed to the aliens from the Dalek Master Plan because we know, because I can see currently a Malfa in the Robert Cartland guys, which, uh, which would not have been there. Uh, uh, but, but I do, yeah, I, I do like the... Uh, the delegates. Um, although, yeah, Zephon, Zephon is a little bit too archly overreaching. Is he about to get exterminated? I think he is. Uh, but this is where the Dalek sort of unity seems to come apart because the minute they start exterminating people, you sort of go, "It's oh, execute, not exterminate." Um, it's a, it's a bit stupid of the aliens from the other planets to kind of, you know, and they're kind of not going, oh, so if, if if they don't like us, they're going to kill us. What what does everybody else from the planet of Zephon do now? You know, you're, um, they've they've killed our king. Oh, well, do we just wait here to be taken over then? I, you know, it, it sort of, it, it shrinks the international politics of it a little bit, if you like. Um, uh, I remember this picture. It's the picture of... Uh, uh, Stephen and Katerina and look and Brett looking at the doctor as he's been doctored on this uh, recon. They've been given masks, um, uh, and it said, "You know, Nicholas Courtney ponders the future where he will." Red Ryan, Nicholas Courtney ponders the future where he will return as the Brigadier. Got so excited uh, at the idea that the Brigadier had been in Doctor Who before. Um, I love the fact that we've got so many little bits, uh, little clips from this. Adventure which by rights should be totally missing. Uh, and and there is a there is a sense of you know, there is a sense of threat. Uh that they're they're on the run, you know, they're quite desperate. And they're going to the planet Desperus, which I wonder what has it always been called that? Um where should we keep our prisoners? Well there is a there is a planet called Desperus, uh, so um, should we, should we, you know, should we, should we give it some nominative determinism, uh, or, or was it that it was called the planet uh, innoc innocuousness, uh, and then <laughs> then they threw all these prisoners on it and rechristened it. Uh, uh, it's a nice spaceship set from what we can see of it, nice and spacious, um, and I like Brett's. Uh, costume. Uh, I covet uh, Stephen's corduroy jacket. I'm assuming it's a kind of brown. Uh, and I'm, I'm amazed at the amount of uh, photos that exist. They, did they did they sort of st stop taking photos kind of in the middle? I don't think that there are even any photos of the monk, are there? I think it seems as this story went on, everybody lost interest in it a little bit. I don't think there are... Oh, there's the stuff of Sarah ageing in the film stuff, isn't there? But I don't think there's any studio stuff from many of the last episodes. There's a few colour photos from the middle. There's that one of Salation right in the background. And I'm sure there are more that exist that uh, 
that exist in private hands, um, quite what the private hands are waiting for um, in order to share them. Uh, that I find that very, I was going to say bizarre. Um, I think I'll, I'll use the word twatty instead. Uh, the idea of having the six Mona Lisas, but only you can see them. Um, especially as all this stuff's coming out now. It's probably going to be the last opportunity. Oh, it's... Now, yeah, it's a, it's a different Mark Corey voice, isn't it? That's Peter Hawkins rather than Edward D'Souza. And I think the message is slightly different. Uh, but of course, that doesn't matter because nobody, you know, nobody heard that. Uh, nobody's heard that for, what, four, five, six, seven weeks. So you can sort of have it say what you want um, and save having to pay uh, an actor to use, you know, their their voice when you've got perfectly good voice actor here but it's a shame because now you'd do that now you'd you'd hang the expense because actors aren't very expensive nowadays or you'd probably put it in their contract that you know we get to lift a little clip of you and use that um and there's a, there is a clip coming up we have got a clip from yes ah here we go i love that this is this was saved by blue peter um just sort of wish somebody had copied the rest of the episode Oh, yeah. Oh. I think that's when I first realised that this bit existed. It was, I'm, I'm sure, is it in Resistance is Useless? They they use a little bit of them shaking about and you go, oh, that's, that's Brett and Katerina. Um, so we actually had this before we had episode two, but I guess Katerina doesn't say anything. Is that, uh, or she doesn't say anything that we can see. Uh, so this was all we had of poor old Adrian Hill, apart from the clip from the next episode just before her death. Um, she's, she's, there aren't any guards and warders. Yeah, it's a pretty grim penal system. Uh, um, Courtney is very good. You can see why Camfield cast him. He's, he's great at this stuff. Um, oh, and it goes straight into the Dalek clip. I, I've got a feeling when it was used on the Blue Peter, did it have the wrong soundtrack on it? I can't remember. Um, uh, but so we have quite a, a chunky sequence. But look, I love the, you know, the three Daleks at the controls and the black Dalek, even, even though it's, you know, essentially three three props. Uh, it's it's nicely shot and uh, and, and they, they look good. Um, they move well. Um, Camfield shoots them nice and close uh, and it sustains you can sustain the dialogue between the Daleks and I know a lot of future writers and directors didn't like that but you can you can do it but it obviously helps that you have the purring sarcasm of Marvik Chen confidently wafting his way through this like a like a cunning cat uh, who you know slowly unravels over the course of the story uh, which we will see, but you know, uh, yeah, I think all of the baddies in this make the mistake of uh, thinking they're too clever for their own, for, of being too clever for their own good. But um, Kevin Stoney has all the time in the world, and that makes him so watchable and listenable uh, because he's not. He's. 
I think the more relaxed, it's the thing in stand-up comedy as well, the more relaxed you seem, even if you're dying inside, it, and, and you can always tell when a comic's struggling because they speed up. And I always say to fledgling comics, you know, if, if you're struggling, don't try and motor through it, you know, slow down, because if, if you slow down, you seem confident. If you seem confident the audience will have confidence in you and that's the beauty of Kevin Stoney's performance is that he purrs and he takes his time and he he's not flustered remotely and so even though he's got these and he's got these things screeching around him and, and the contrast between him and the Daleks is so huge you can tell why he made such an impact and here we are I'm always impressed that we've got photos of these three uh, shaggy uh, uh, convicts who, and I like the names Bores and Garge Kirkson is a bit like a surname of, uh, uh, he's, he's this grotty one, isn't he? That, uh, uh, the, the, ironically, because he's, he's the least, um, Kirkson is the least dominant when you, when you sort of reach about, two poor women in the corner being fought over by these horrible, it's a terrible penal system that throws men and women together and the men fight over the women. It's pretty unpleasant. Um, uh, but but Kirkson is a fairly sort of snivelly character, and it, as he's the one who causes Katerina's death again, I think I think these days you know he would be built up as as much more of a sort of potent threat and as the sort of A grade villain of this small little segment. But it's uh, it's it's he's remarkably unremarkable, which you could say is either them not having a sense of occasion, the, the production and the story, um, in the, if you're going to kill off an important character, at least make it happen at the hands of, you know, somebody who's got an impressive villain villain CV, you know, at least a city and guilds in, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Machiavellianism or sadism or violence or whatever. So Kirkson's reaching for the knife off, uh, off, is it, is it off Boars? Yeah. Boars and Garge. I like, yeah, off Boars. I like the Boars is, of course, Sir Boars was one of the Knights of the Round Table, wasn't he? It's a very, it's got its uh, etymology in Old English, um, but I like it. It's a good name for a, for a, for a baddie. And we've got, a, we've got some decent pictures of these fellows. And Boars is Dallas Cavell, who did five Doctor Whos. He's very funny as the Roadworks overseer in, uh, in uh, the Reign of Terror, who gets hit over the head with a spade by the Doctor. Um, and then he comes back in this. Uh, and then... Oh, and then he's Captain Trask in the Highlanders, where he's very over the top. Um, then he's Sir James Quinlan in the Ambassadors of Death, where he's actually quite wooden, bizarrely. It's quite a stiff performance. Um, and then he has very little to do at the beginning of Castrovalva as the... Uh, Head of the Faris, head of security at the Faris Project. He's got a couple of lines, but five Doctor Who's. That's you know, some some actors we cherish a lot, uh, like David Collings and you know some of those guys. And Mike, no, Michael Shear did more, but um, uh, John Abenary, Kevin Stoney. You know they they you know great servants to Doctor Who didn't didn't notch up five parts. Uh, and Garge is Geoffrey Cheshire, who uh, Camfield used a lot. Again, he looks great in. Uh, in uh, uh, the time meddler as the as the chief Viking in episode two, we don't see him again. He's got a good beard and helmet, I seem to recall. And uh, then he comes back as Tracy in uh, the first couple of episodes of the invasion. And 
he's a robo man leader in Daleks Invasion Earth 2150 AD. And for years, um, IMDb mixed him up with Leonard Cheshire, who founded the the charity. Um, and it was one of my first tip-offs to go, don't trust the internet. Because uh, I think Leonard Cheshire was was Leonard Jeffrey Cheshire. Or the, there was certainly, a you know, the names, there was a similarity or even an exactitude somewhere. But you just go... Is it likely that they're the same person? No, it isn't. But, oh boy, it was hard getting that off IMDb. <laughs> oh, this is nicely done. The burning torches in the in the blackness on the uh, uh, on the reconstruction. There really is a lot of invention in how they do this. And I like this. This is sort of darkness and nighttime on the planet. And we've set this planet up as this horrible place where these not very nice people fight over... Uh, fight over weapons and 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 you know you could die at any minute uh, and obviously we know our heroes have something uh, an escape spaceship uh, and you know all sorts of goodies uh, on board that uh, will be uh, appealing to these obviously dreadful people uh, that i like that I, I, you know i i, I think uh, alien planets well even the past in doc 2 at this time it's like the show's regulars are being buffeted from hostile environment to hostile environment. And we've never quite had that since, I, I think, the Hartnell era, where just the very act of going from place to place is jeopardy. That's why it's a continual adventure in time and space. And each story ends on a cliffhanger, largely, you know. And the, the, the alien planets are screeching jungles where the vegetation can be deadly, uh, let alone the... Uh, you know the the populace or 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 uh the activities happening there but the very environment you could and land on a planet that has no life like human beings on it and it's got thorny things that turn you into things or things that eat you or things that poison you um and and you know when they go back to marco polo's time and you know they're, they're cut off from the tardis um uh or, or or cultures are very different um uh, uh, you know, it's, it's it's constantly the environment that you are in presents the danger as much as the story being told. I, and I saw those pictures of the screamers. Are they called the screamers, the squealers. That's no better, little piggy. <laughs> uh, yeah, they've landed in deliverance. Um, uh, uh, I, 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 uh, and I, and I saw those pictures quite late in the day. I don't quite know where they came from. Um, so, so, so these these recons are a, a very nice source of obviously the, the 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 pictures that we have. Many of which, as I say, there weren't that many pictures flying about of of the Daleks' master plan. Um, I think it would be amazing to watch to watch the whole thing moving. It's obviously it's a compromise. No matter how, but this is done very well. I have to say, we've got some nice back shots there of the the Doctor and Katarina. They've done very well with Katarina, seeing they had so little to go from um and hartnell seems you know pretty in control of his uh faculties he gets less and less to do as the story goes on uh this will be quite an uh, alarmingly in evidence if i uh, if i recall um yeah but i uh i yeah i i like this setup um Paws and guards creep through the undergrowth. Um, they're pretty unkempt, sort of shaggy men were quite a thing as well in the in the in the sixties. I'm thinking Francis de Wolf in uh, in uh, the, the 
the keys of Marinus and uh, the, obviously the cave people in the, the first story. Uh, uh, and you know, Prison Planet is a is a great idea. You know, shipping shipping off your convicts who are unwanted and sticking them in a hostile environment. It's the sort of thing we do. You know, well, we're being humane. We haven't killed anybody, but we've kind of let let them fend for themselves. Um, and I'm sure there are some people that would approach that and go, uh, you know, yeah, if you're you're such uh you're so impressive you you sort yourselves out so that's is that about it for boars and gage they they kind of get electrocuted um they don't they, they don't get much of a showing do they uh no he's not killed them he's knocked them unconscious yeah okay i have no des- and that's how i like my doctor and i know that's hypocritical of me i have no desire to kill anybody he said um uh, he's changed his tune since uh, he was going to kill Derek Newark in uh, in Unearthly Child. But I I do I do feel, you know, um, that the Doctor should should not take life. Um, although as I get older, I'm I'm slightly less, uh, you know. And since having kids, you know, somebody tried to hurt my my loved ones. Uh, I, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be eager, but I'd, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think I'd, I think I'd, you know, I, I wouldn't, I say it wouldn't trouble my conscience. Probably would afterwards. I get post-traumatic stress disorders and and never sleep because because that's, uh, uh, because anyone who thinks otherwise is is nuts. But uh, uh, you know, considering the idea, so I. You know, I think I think the doctor taking a life as a last resort. I still don't like. No, I still don't like to see it in in the show. I'm still uneasy uh, about it. But that's but that's the inherent um, contradiction of liberalism, isn't it? Um, because actually, I you know I know there are times when it has to happen, and you can't be you can't you can't then be mealy mouthed about it if it's something that you accept has to happen. Um, and this is a brilliant, that's a brilliant scream from Katerina and, uh, and a great episode ending because the companion, is she a companion, is in trouble. Um, Douglas Sheldon, Doug Sheldon, who played Kirkson, uh, is still with us as I record this. Uh, he's in Triangle, I seem to recall. I think he was a DJ of some sort. I think he was a sort of blonde kind of guy, not a shaggy bearded, you know, guy. Um... But he's never died. I don't know anyone that's ever interviewed him or anything. Uh, so that's episode three of the Daleks Master Plan. What's my favourite thing about that? I have to pause. Uh, I didn't know it would play straight. Um, what's my favourite thing? Because I'm going to go over to Ian uh, McCulloch. What's <laughs> Ian McCulloch? Yes, my, my special guest is now the lead singer of Echo and the Bunnymen. Or Greg Preston from Survivors. They've both got the same name, but I'm slightly I'm interested that I actually went for the pop music guy first when I actually don't know anything about music and not the actor who's been in Doctor Who. Uh, something strange is happening in this new year. And I actually watched the first episode of Survivors this morning. Ha <laughs> um, So there we go. Uh, did I watch it this morning? Yeah, I did. Oh, gosh, I watched it this morning and I think it went out. 
uh, in general. Anyway, why am I stopped talking about Survivors? Oh, it is Terry Nation. I think it went out on New Year's Day, didn't it? The first episode of Survivors. I watched it this morning without actually acknowledging that uh, during the course of the commentary I did on that, which is for patrons only. Uh, so you will never hear that if you are a casual listener. But if you're a casual listener, there's about 200 episodes of this. So frankly, I think that's probably enough for most people. What did Ian McCulloch, what did Ian K. McLachlan uh, like? Uh, will it be the same as what I've chosen, which is... Uh, which is... I like I like the nighttime, the setting of Desperus, the the idea of the prison planet, the the hostile environment. I I really felt that quite creepily and palpably, even though it's in a in a reconstruction. I I felt that it felt quite dangerous. You know what I mean? And the and the torchlight, the flaming torches, and the, so so yeah. So the sort of grim hostility of the prison planet of Desperus. If he says one of those words, I'm having the point. <laughs> What did Ian K. McLachlan think? Episode 3, Devil's Planet. It's interesting that Terry Nation wrote that one because he later, as you know, um, wrote the Blake 7 series and there was a prison planet on that as well. And it was... um, There are parallels between the two of them. The particular scene that stands out for me is uh, the Doctor and Katerina working together to set a trap uh, for two of the um, convicts on the planet, and the 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 scene where the the two criminals perish because the bat-like creatures um, w- w- are really you don't see much of them, but they're scary when you see them, and I like that scene uh, on Devil's Planet. Uh okay. So yes, now because of course Ian will have seen this, so he'll know. Uh, quite what we saw of the bat-like creatures. I mean, as I say, I'm assuming it was just a sort of a flap here or a foot there, um, which I like, which all added to the uh, the uh, hostility there. So do I get a point for that? Uh, when he said he liked Katerina and the Doctor working together. Yeah, I don't think I quite... I don't think I quite do. It was all a bit nebulous, that, Ian. Um, uh, but so was mine. So fair enough. Hoisted by my own nebulous petard. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter, does it? Don't say that, Toby. Some people might really care. Um, if you're one of the people who care, I concede. I fall on my own nebulous petard, which hasn't therefore done any damage. But I still don't quite get the point, I think. No, I did say the hostility of death. I'll tell you what, you decide. That's that's what life is like on the planet Desperus. You've got you to scrabble to survive. I think you'll find. I think you'll find. I think you'll find. I think you'll find. And you see, I'm too easily distracted to be making bold claims. So, I was talking about Julian Cherrier being the first non-Caucasian actor to be credited in Doctor Who. That was largely bred from... There used to be a myth that um, Earl Cameron was the first black actor to be in Doctor Who then of course anybody that looked when oh no Elroy Joseph's in the smugglers uh proceeded to the 10th planet by one story but actually then of course as we know uh Dwight Wiley uh who's the radio announcer in the war machines makes him the first black actor in Doctor Who to be credited so then I started to talk about Julian Charrier and wanted to point out ah yeah but um actually the first 
oh, but Julian Sherry's not black. He's of Indian heritage, but he's an actor of colour. I was basically trying to point out that I knew that I was showing off, going, but Julian Cherrier is an actor of colour. And I was, ah, and he's the first actor. And then I was going to talk about actresses, and I got um, distracted because, of course, the first actress uh, of colour, I was going to say, um, well, there's Zora Seagal in uh, The Crusade but not in Marco Polo, because even though she is in Marco Polo, she isn't credited in Marco Polo. But Xenia Merton, who plays Ping Cho in Marco Polo, who is of Burmese origin, uh, she is the first. So her and Zora Seagal are actresses who predate Julian Cherrier. But of course, banging on about Marco Polo, uh, I sort of discounted because there's an actor in there called Oh Aikida who plays Yang, but uh, and he appears on some cast lists now. Never used to, but I still don't think he was credited on screen. But it meant I completely forgot about Basil Tang, who uh, I don't know anything about, but I'm assuming from Basil Tang's name that he is a non-Caucasian actor. So I guess he probably counts as the first non-Caucasian actor to be credited in Doctor Who. So. I should have gone into a bit more detail and, and basically or when saying I know Julian Cherrier is uh, an Indian actor um, not have started to make bold claims about who was the first and this that or the other uh, and then losing my thread and talking about something else if you're going to do something about uh, landmark stuff do it in a pre-scripted one Toby that's all I'm saying so anyway I am happy for this addendum to contain an errata no, it'd be several errata, wouldn't it? Errata and erratum. Anyway, I'm almost um, undermining the fact that I'm trying to distract you from my nonsense by being Latin at the end, which will make me, which will paper over my cracks. Anyway, basically, all I wanted to do in that bit of the podcast was say, you know, Julian Sherrier, who played Zephon, was one of the earliest actors in Doctor Who to be a non-Caucasian actor, uh, and uh, I went off on one, so that's that's hopefully cleared that up go away um uh so that was the end of the devil's planet the planet desperus katarina is in an awful lot of trouble um and uh, people who don't know what's coming might be in for a bit of a surprise um so thank you very much for listening Come and join me next time. Um, but in the meantime, watch out for those screamers. <laughs> and thanks very much for listening. Ta-ta. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest, Ian K. McLachlan. These commentaries would be impossible without the support of patrons, who include Paul Carnahan, Andy Case, Richard Chalk, John Curley, Mark Dakin, John Ellidge, Gary Gillett, James Gould, Lisa C. Greco, Dave Hoskin, Jessica Jones, Andrew Jordan, Ashley Knight, Clive Lewis, Guy Lambert, James Lark, Gavin McLean, Nathan Martin, David Matthewman, John McClay, Rosser McPhillips, Stuart Mitchell, Nathan Moore, Matthew Newton, Dave Owen, Melvin Pena, Keith Pirry, and everyone else who I will mention at another time. The music was by Dave Gates, and the podcast artwork is by Dylan Patterson.
I really am very grateful to those names that I read out and indeed all the ones that I didn't. Um, I'm frankly flabbergasted that people put their money where my mouth is, but it really does enable me to get these things out and to spend the time that I do spend, you know, recording them properly, um, trying to put them together nicely so that they sound professional and uh, decent in your ears. And, you know, I put the work in. So if you would like to support these releases, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where you do get early releases, more frequent releases. You get three a week at least and pictures of my dog. Uh, and uh, I'm doing more and more patron exclusives uh, just because I want it to be worthwhile. Although actually, I think I'm slightly worried that people will get sick of hearing my voice. But anyway, look, this is what they sign up for. And the feedback is nice. Uh, you can also go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock if you don't want to um, submit to a month monthly commitment, but would still like to throw me a few pennies every now and again however the monthly commitment on patreon is from as little as three pounds a month and if you do a year in advance you get a 10 percent discount so thank you what costs nothing though is to go on to itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and to give these things a five-star review and perhaps a few lines few complimentary lines please if you don't like them or want to say something horrible well one if you don't like them you should have stopped listening ages ago uh, but if you want to say something horrible go somewhere that you like and say something nice but um yeah a few nice lines and definitely those five stars really help me to stand out from the crowd and get those uh, algorithms just looking a little bit sexier <laughs> And it really is uh, New Year's Day that I'm recording this. So, yes, I've just watched Eve of the Daleks, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Another New Year's Day uh, Dalek uh, adventure, because the Dalek Master Plan did fall fall in the New Year as well. But a few episodes ahead of where I am. Uh, and so here's a little exclusive. I texted John Bishop because um, I know John. Uh, in fact, I think I know everybody that's that's been in Doctor Who in recent years. Everybody I've ever met seems to be in Doctor Who because I've worked with Ashling B as well uh, on the circuit once. Uh, thought she was great in that episode tonight. But I texted John, told him how much I liked what he did, and he said it was a you know a, a, a you know a lifelong dream to be exterminated. Who doesn't who doesn't want to be exterminated by a Dalek? But uh, I think he liked the nice uh, the nice feedback. So that was nice to do. I hope to see him this year, and. Um, rib him about fulfilling my childhood dream uh I, I what i intend to do is score the winning uh goal for liverpool in the fa cup this year uh and then, and then we'll have we'll have had a childhood dream swap there <laughs> um anyway um, that's the post-credit bit which i know some of you listen to um and i'm giving you a, a bit of a context of time and place because it's new year's day 2022 when you're listening to this who knows but happy new year in August.